0: all right welcome back to managing marketing uh today we're in singapore and uh, i've got a chance to catch up with a good friend adam good who's the chief digital officer the CDO at Dentsu Aegis Network here in Asia Pacific. Welcome, Adam. Welcome to Singapore, Dan. Uh, well, I'm here for the week. Yeah, <laughs> me <here till> Friday. <laughs> right, fantastic. <laughs> um, look, the reason I wanted to catch up is that uh, you've had a really interesting career from my perspective in that, you know, you started off sort of film and entertainment, you got into uh, more the uh, advertising, digital, but more importantly, you've worked both agency and advertiser side. How did this happen?
1: Don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe you get fired on either side of it and keep changing around. No, I think. Well, was there a plan? I mean, are you one of
0: those people that plans a career, or is this uh, a path of opportunity?
1: I originally had a plan. I I really just wanted to be in multimedia. I kind Mm -hmm. of, and that's ultimately. I love that.
0: You've taken me back to nineteen ninety.
1: Well, I I, I schooled in um, multimedia, so I think that's what I wanted to do. So. I um, I wanted to try the different different industries I wanted to be on different sides of of, um, of media and especially with with media when it was associated with big change mm. and I think that's what ultimately drove it initially when I started out I just wanted to do film and television I really wanted to to be part of storytelling mm. wanted to be part of I was trained in that I I'm, I'm, I also did, uh, I'm a qualified sound engineer by trade, but then I did film and television um, in various different roles, technician roles, camera assisting, grip work, Mm. lighting. Um, And really through that process, uh, um, you really learn storytelling. You know, Somebody's got a particular idea, they put it on paper and then they've got to express it through a team structure to to bring it to life. And I really enjoyed that. But at the same time, when I left school, I, I was sort of the last year, year 11 and 12, um, 86, 87 was the first year they sort of introduced computers. Mm-hmm. So I was I was lucky enough to kind of play around with the early com- computers, the Commodore 64s, the Atari's, those, the early a- uh, Apples. And in that space, um, got involved with connected computers and the internet. So that was always sort of happening uh, at the same time. So I had these passion projects. So. I built a, one of Australia's first sort of online film directories. Because okay, yeah. at the time I thought, wow, you know, film and television and Warner Brothers Studio, Fox Studios was happening. You know, people were coming down to Australia to, to make content and tell stories. But it was actually very difficult to find the whole team structure. So yeah. I, I was in the early days, I learned the World Wide Web just to put on. Buyers well, and a, those
0: sorts of things. There was a thing called the production book, which is still That's around, right. but oh, it's all yes. online. But I remember, yeah. I remember back in uh, the nineties, uh, early nineties, mm. you would buy the production book. It was like yeah. this thick tome, yeah. except that because of the transient nature of the industry, mm. it would be out of date. Like by the time they'd printed it and distributed it to everyone, uh, we I mean, they were <laughs> always doing uh, printed updates of it. Well,
1: yeah. Look, I mean, I was. I was 21, 22, having meetings with the production book and, of course, Read mag- Magazine with the Encore Magazine yeah. and having the discussions about putting all of that content online. And ultimately, I couldn't get agreement to do those sorts of things, so I made my own. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I, I, I had a FileMaker Pro database and building, you know, one listing at a time because I was so passionate about it. But uh, ultimately, those businesses did go online over time and I went off and did other things.
0: Now one of the big challenges because uh, you 're talking about the very early days I guess mm. of, of the internet you know um, when people sort of the, the vast majority of people weren 't into it it was quite fringe mm. but uh, today uh, digital transformation which is what you're involved in now very with much so. um, with um, uh, Dentsu Aegis network but it was also the job you were uh, doing at Telstra as well there was definitely core uh, around that whole digital media, digital transformation as well. Yeah, I'd be interested just to you know because there's two perspectives there of in some ways a similar objective that every business is trying to uh, come to terms with. You know, mm. can you is it easy to do a compare and contrast of that? Oh, look, I still think
1: we're at the early, early stages of digital transformation. Really, it's just our industry is uh, has changed so dramatically. You know, media telecommunications, advertising is at the the big bang, you know, mm. so so that's where all my experience is, has been. Um, yeah. And now digital transformation is going into lots of other industries and categories. And of course, we're seeing tremendous change in finance and travel and all the rest of it. But still, they're still in a bit of a s- slow burn, because they still think that they can do what you've always done. Mm. Um, and so that sort of realization of how much velocity do I need to apply to a digital transformation over how much is as business as usual is really what I wrestle with it all the time now uh, back in, in an agency network with clients because of short term uh, marketing initiatives to sell products make some brand impact over a longer term the company is going through a massive transformation that. They may be relevant in 10 years' time. They may be gone. They'll be completely different operation, uh, you know, an operated area. So I think I've, I think our industry went has gone bang. Like our industry has completely changed. Um, still, some people don't think it's completely changed. I, I certainly do because I've sort of been really part of it
0: in in, in the role you're, that I do. you were close to that big bang, you know, when it happened. <laughs>
1: That's right. I saw the fuse lit yeah. and. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I I, I think uh, you know Telstra was a I was very privileged to, to go to Telstra at a, at a really interesting time I think um David thody uh being very much a sales and marketer by um by trade as well and I suppose experience, yeah. and experience and just really wanting to develop a very customer-centric focused business but that meant that you had to create these amazing
0: experiences. Well, he was the first one, I think, uh, in Telstra's history to rethink the idea of uh, copper wires and connections to being actually a media company, because mm. he wasn't just thinking about the distribution, he was thinking about the content that would actually go into the distribution. Because I guess he, he saw that lots of other companies were just riding the back of Telstra's incredible you know, infrastructure.
1: Yeah, i oh, no doubt about that. And, and I mean, I, I went to Telstra via Rick Ellis, who, who ran um, TVNZ in, in New Zealand, and I was mm-hmm. lucky enough to, to work uh, with TVNZ on the marketing side, and with um, with proximity and Kalenzo and Jason Par- Paris is now um, at Telecom. There, um, they were they were very much a television network that went into streaming very very early mm. on, and uh, and and did TV, TVNZ on demand and a number of different made for content. Programs, and when Rick came to Telstra um, uh, and working for David, you know, I was lucky enough to join his executive team with some pretty uh, great talent. I think at the time to do some big things and and very disruptive things. I mean, there was businesses in there we had to look at. We had we had the Trading Post, we had Census, yeah. we had we had Foxtel, uh, we had Big Pond. You know, yeah. so. You know, and I think as you say those words now, you know how much change that was implemented on all of those business during that yeah. time. So it was a really great opportunity to to be there for for that sort of four and a half years, as well uh, as an as a company that was doing gangbusters as it's moved to two G to three G to four G, uh, and the growth of mobile um, and the device changes that Apple brought about and Samsung. And of course the NBN and all of the wonderful, uh, so you know wonderful. Uh, up, uh, yeah, well, yeah, that that's been a real challenge. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it's two years ago I was at Telstra, and um, I, you know, the four and a bit years I was there, I think I I actually was part of a really a good moment. Yeah. Uh, I think it's. About I think a peri-
0: it's a period in time. A period yeah. in time,
1: exactly yeah. right. I mean, they're, they're going through a, a huge transformation. Um, um, as being a global business as well. So, yeah.
0: there's something you, um, you you touched on a minute ago, which is this idea that uh, digital transformation, as it's occurring within organisations, it's really interesting because from our uh, our experience, um, it it varies from company to company the way they interpret this. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you're dealing with a company that is wanting to address in quotes, the digital transformation Mm. because they see it as if they don't, someone's going to cut their lunch. And I Mm. think that's all the uh, management consultants that keep putting up that slide about how Airbnbs disrupted hotels and Uber disrupted taxis and all that sort of stuff. So they're, they're seeing it as a defensive move. Then you've got others that uh, are quickly band-aiding things. You know, they're looking for where technology can help improve the efficiency of what they've always done rather than reinvent their business. But it's a very, very small group that actually see what you touched on, which is the fact that the digital transformation is not just about slightly adjusting a business. This is going to radically change business, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it, well, it does. Changed radically, but sometimes when changes happen, uh, they're big changes. I always see them as big changes, but I think we adopt them so quickly that the human uh, brain sees them as as just an improvement, and you move on. You know, and I'll, I'll give some examples to that, but. I think the first, when I can always say it's the first digital transformations at the beginning, I mean, efficiencies is a really easy place to play in digital transformation, mm-hmm. you know, changing the workforce, bringing in automation, looking at those side of things. And that's why consultants come into that. They're very, very good at that area. They're, they're, they're accountants. And so mm-hmm. they really know how to, to drive business efficiencies and put some of those programs in place. What, But it's very category driven. So then, so the actual... Uh, benefit that comes from that company is actually easy copied so so you know a a transformation can be like i'm in the airline business and i've 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 developed a digital transformation to select my seats when i'm on a plane Mm. now when that happens that's huge it's a huge innovation it's a great thing and it stops consumers ringing people up wanting to change their seats but it's an expectation you just do
0: yeah so then all once of it's us, available once it's go, available it's done why wasn't it always there thank you what
1: what <laughs> i get more interested in is how you can do digital transformation under that particular brand lens that is really ownable and um by that brand and then uh and then they can take some of that uh, that ownable state and then into another level of transformation and a constant change to to really differentiate.
0: So Adam, that gets into this whole idea, you know, everyone's talking about innovation. It's the, apart from digital transformation, innovation's the hot topic. Yeah. And I think that what you're talking about to me is about driving innovation and yeah. specifically innovation that is about enhancing or adding value to the customer experience. Because I think too much of it is defensive or opportunistic and not actually focused on you know how do we enhance or improve or add value to the customer's uh, engagement with this business and brand.
1: Yeah, no that's right. I mean I you know I quite like the ideas of machines doing certain things for brands. You know, I don't get too worried about that you know obviously you need to put humanity around around the experience so when you're selecting your seat as the example that you actually feel as though that's a better experience to do to do digitally than ring somebody. Mm. Um, so getting that kind of balance right. But I I think they're, they're really good things to do. But coming back to the innovation play, innovation generally means a lot of risk, you know, and doing things that maybe have not been done before. So you've got to do that salt test and learn. You have to have a particular client and you have to have a particular kind of environment to do innovation properly um, because uh, you know, there's a lot of things I'd like to do with our clients that I know when I get involved in the conversation, they sort of say, that's all really interesting, Adam, we'll get around to doing that in six months' time, 12 months' time. And you just feel in your own heart, you go, okay. It's not going to happen. Well, it, it just takes time. You know, We need to start now. You know, we need to be doing those things now because in six or eight months' time, we'll get a head start on that. You know, and that, I see this all the time. You know, like, yeah. you know, the, the, the new iPhone that's out with the X and, you know, the, the amount of the amount of um, AR that's coming in brands is huge. Mm. You know, but you look at what IKEA has been doing for some time in AR. You know, they've been rearranging their furniture in, in, in virtual spaces for some time now. They've got a real gap. Mm. on on certain brands now when people when they were seen doing that you know 18 months ago two years ago you there were marketers going it's all really interesting but we don't need to worry about that just yet and Mm. you just but they've got two years worth of learning they're already ahead and they're way you know they're ahead and so yeah that happens all the time
0: and and a little bit of that is that mentality of uh well we can always catch up by just copying what Everyone else is doing, which is not innovation, is it? Well, that's not innovation. <laughs> but Copying's okay. <laughs> copying's okay, but it's, if it's not. Better, yeah. Don't don't pretend you're innovating when you're just letting someone else do all the legwork, yeah. and then just copy what they've done as yeah. a way of being the also ran in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, generally, you know, we we are driven by statistics. So I like I have a general one. You know, if you look at your budget, I probably would spend seventy percent of my marketing budget on things that you kind of know have been working, Mm -hmm. and I would do that. But then another 20% on some some things that you've tested and learning and now want to scale and get going, because it might become part of that 70%. But then about 10% of your budget on a bunch of things that you're prepared to kind of lose that money, but you're prepared to to give it a real shot. that's really, again, that can be hard that you've got a client says, what, you're saying that I've got to maximize 70% of my marketing dollars for all the things at work, and you're kind of like, yeah, you do. You mm. really, really do. Um, if you can get that conversation happening in planning stages, you're, you're kind of springboarding into some pretty interesting interesting work, but if you don't have those conversations, you're then suddenly talking about the next six-week, eight-week campaign cycle. That's tough, and that's the probably the toughest part about being on the agency side, I find now is is campaign windows there yeah. they haven't changed for they've never changed in my time being here you know what can we do in about six to eight weeks <laughs> so,
0: which is very short-term yeah. thinking is. It, it is it is and and the other thing that's uh creeping in and we get a lot of uh marketers phoning us up and going um we want to become agile uh we want to embrace agile marketing and and the conversation for us is around well what do you actually mean by that and in actual fact, most of them are not talking about Agile, capital A, marketing, capital M. They're talking about Agile with a small a, yep. and they really just mean we want to be faster yep. rather than test and learn. I think the whole concept, Agile sounds promising, but the whole concept of test and learn actually scares a lot of marketers. And having been on that side, what is it about test and learn that is so scary? Fire. I don't know I don't know I don't know <laughs> and I
1: think you know you you've been a creative as well and and I've had I've been very much on the direct side a lot mm-hmm. of the time in in creative agencies which is a lot of test and learn you know we mm. So whatever, whatever happens there, you've got to go to a certain customer databases and, and see whether the message resonate, the offer, offer works. So I don't think there's not an understanding of test and learn uh, in marketing sense, but when you get up to the experience layer, which is a little bit more uh, tech development and a little bit more uh, work that has to happen outside of the marketing realm and into their own ecosystems and digital teams and e-comm teams, um, there's just a lot more people to coordinate to, mm, to, to, to make that 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 whole environment sort of work so test and learn has a different meaning in that yeah. and, and and agile was obviously created f- from developers I mean because yeah. they had to do sprints they had to kind of work out a period of you know different sorts of software software sprints to to get um, an application kind of working so I think sometimes we've taken the wrong analogy of what software is and tried to force it into into marketing into six-week windows. The
0: um, agile marketing manifesto is quite interesting. It gives you eight sort of uh, Mm. principles of Mm. of, um, agile marketing. Mm. And and interestingly, it was agreed by a group of marketers that met in Silicon Valley. So they were sitting there, seeing agile software development, which is a totally different process, and said, what of this can we learn? Now it's really interesting from my perspective because I think it's one of those issues around language. You know that that everyone's picked up on this idea of agility or being agile. Yes. But they haven't actually picked up on the rest of it, which is it, it really is about constant optimization yep. of your marketing effort. You know, I, I use the metaphor yes. of sailing, yeah. you've been right. sailing, yes. you yes. Yes. So, so to me the traditional marketing approach is like beating into the wind, yeah. okay, and you've said, oh, this is where I want to get to, now I'm going to do one long tack this way, mm. which is developing my strategy, and then I'm going to go about, and I'm going to execute it, and I'm going to hit the point that I want. The trouble is we live in a world where the wind is constantly shifting, yeah. and it's so easy to get knocked off your uh, your line so that you miss the point. Mm. Whereas Agile says, I'm going to, to go on one tack mm. and I'm going to constantly monitor my position. And if I get knocked off the wind, I'm going to go about yeah. and do something different. And if yeah. I get knocked, I'll go about. And that to me is Agile marketing. Yeah. It's this ability to have mm. that uh, environment mm. within your organization, all aligned to optimizing performance.
1: It is. It is and. Um
0: have you, you seen know, many people yeah. able to deliver them?
1: Well, I think it's an organisational decision you sometimes need to make as well. I think companies that are trying to kind of um, manage the day-to-day of the way they operate and plus also bring in a, a, a change management digital <laughs> transformation, it's sometimes really difficult to, to bring the two together under one management team structure. If you, if you if you go to the Googles and the Facebooks and the Amazons of the world, Alibabas of the world, they've just got lots of different work streams that have got their own kind of projects that are not interdependent on everybody else. Um, and then there's an executive c- committee that looks at where the, the, the various different work streams are and what's relevant for today's revenue over new future revenue streams. Not many companies can, can do that, but technology companies have been yeah. able to run that really well because they understand agile. Mm-hmm and um what you know we've we've just come back from san francisco we we're lucky enough to take clients into 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 palo alto when we do the tours and we do the facebooks and the googles and the amazons and snapchats and everybody kind of wanders around saying you know i'd love to we want to take some of this back to our organization but i don't i've been there enough times to know really how it works Mm -hmm. and sometimes it The veneer of it, you can't just suddenly take that thinking and 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 apply it through your organisation without a full transformation, like a really uh, well, because those
0: companies have grown from a particular culture, which is a much more engineering uh, software development culture. Yes, which is all about test and learn. But I I mean, I
1: mean it in another sense. Sometimes you'll get to the end of the week, and your client will say, "I want to work differently now. I want to do everything quite differently. Let's change." And you go, Great, okay, I'll you know, let's do the fifteen minute call on Monday. What do you mean fifteen minutes? No, we need a you know, quick you do a little bit of this work, we'll do a bit of that no. work. End it within fifteen minutes. And you kinda of move in these little automatic yeah, yeah. sprints. sprints yeah. But then suddenly the the old ways of working starts happening and you go back to the
0: three the, hour meetings exactly. with a room full of people. Exactly,
1: <laughs> and, and you suddenly go, Well, you you probably didn't look around yeah. Google and Facebook quite the same as what they're actually doing. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, I mean, that's that's why I get to be employed, I suppose.
0: <laughs> so, because so, that's another thing that comes out of the agile marketing approach, mm. is it's all about collaboration. And it it's not collaboration based on having lots of meetings. No. It's actually collaboration of alignment with people having very specific tasks and responsibilities and getting mm. on with the job and then tapping back in at some point to, to update and then going away and, you know, which is not the way that marketers seem to work generally.
1: Not so much because they haven't done their f- script. They haven't really done, they've worked out their full story. And I think this right. does this bit of 360 in my career. I think what I really learnt the most out of the film and television industry was there was a script. Mm-hmm. There was a defined uh story that we were going to create. But as we went into the day-to-day of shooting and talking to people and the interpretation of that story and the additional creative ability of a sound guy or a lighting guy or a director's interpretation, mm. that's when magic kind of happens. But it's still all based off the overall kind of
0: Which is strategy. like the blueprint of the building. Or, exactly, you know, you know, you yeah. Need, you need some the sort of road map or plan that everyone can align to as yep. that vision, and isn't that what brand strategy or brand the brand plan should be about?
1: Yeah, I think I think brand planning is extremely
0: important because um, that's the story. The brand plan is, is the story for the brand. It
1: is, and great brands always tend to to go back to the original story anyway. Mm. You know, it's just being uh updated mm. you know it's well, done
0: yeah uh, everyone points to uh, apple nike yes yeah you know, we we always go back to the same brands and go we want to be like them but they all have great brand stories that everyone's aligned to
1: they do they do um but the articulation of a brand is sometimes uh you know it takes a little while especially board of directors to understand what brand strategy is mm. um because it needs to be kind of broken down into a number of different work streams that are you know revenue for today experience customer experiences for today you know you know adjacency businesses partnerships all sorts of different things mm. sometimes sometimes creative agencies can make can talk about brand for too long and they've actually not said much, much at all, to be honest. Mm. And that's a little... Because they tend to think uh, it is sort of a linear story. You know, this is... Because mm. the, the outtake of it has been traditionally a small film or m- mood or something like that and motive thing. Which but, is
0: back to your six to eight week campaign cycle Yeah, which, yeah It's but it's than, more of
1: a... You know, as soon as brand can be a business strategy, and then a transformation strategy, and, a, and then an implementation plan, the the, the better. But, but um, yeah, look, I mean, it's it's uh, it's an interesting interesting time with businesses at the moment. I mean, we've we, we we're seeing these tech companies, you know, especially in the stock market in the last few weeks. I am just blown out how much how big these platform players have become, uh, and and their investment to get that big uh, has taken a little bit of time but you know there'll be some losers, you know they're they're going to be some big losers.
0: (coughs) (coughs) If only uh, investors or shareholders in traditional companies were willing to pour you know, millions and hundreds mm. of millions of dollars on the hope that maybe one day they'll turn a profit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because at the moment you've got, you know, quarterly reporting and if someone yeah. doesn't hit their numbers, yeah. the whole market gets nervous. But you haven't seen that with any. In fact, I think the f- most famous is Amazon. Yeah. Because for years and years,
1: mm.
0: uh, Jeff would just say to the share or oh, the investors, I'm just going to plough it back in. Yes. There is no dividends. There is no, you know, uh, pay off this month because we're just plowing it back in.
1: Yeah, incredible. I mean Jeff Be- Bezos and the more you he wants to make things he makes things mm. and he also Changes you know from a book company and he's in voice, you know voice tech now, mm. you know with and uh, So he he quickly moves from his management consultant kind of brain of you know a quick kind of you know PowerPoint slide into actually making something yep. and getting it out and 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 playing on the the accelerators and adjacencies of where their business could be, you know, he thinks very quickly to say, well, "If you maybe you're buying a book, you're buying buying something, you know, what is the fulfilment path? You know, what is the vir- virtual, physical, and what are the touch points?" He's and very how, good at it.
0: And how can I innovate that? Yeah, to actually enhance the customer experience, to build loyalty and trust, and
1: yeah, you know. no, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty good business. I'd still think their share price is pretty low so (laughs) i I, I
0: just use that term trust i mean it is so important you you would have found this right through your uh, career both on agency and and uh advertiser side Hmm. is that you can't do this without uh building and having trust in all of the people that you're working with right
1: definitely yeah and there's um there's massive structural challenges out there especially with media and and data and viewability and um, reporting and all of those areas that there's a lot of ambiguity there at the moment Um, and that requires you know a really strong partnership with the client and an agency and media and creative kind of working together to kind of build through that Um, and you know some sometimes the trust just breaks down and they go to pitch because they just don't feel they're they're mm. in the in the in a workable environment to 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 work with their existing teams.
0: You know, I I think trust has been challenged because it wasn't that long ago that marketers could sit with their agencies and go, "This is what I want to achieve," mm. and then they're all working towards a common goal. Mm. I think so many marketers and their agencies now are falling on this trap of every six to eight weeks. You know. Um, you you well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you always find the best clients are the ones where you feel like you've actually got a alignment to purpose, you know, an alignment to an objective, yeah. Because you can actually then contribute to that rather than just being an order taker or a deliverer. Don't yep. you think?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. And you know, because I played on on both sides, uh, the the marketing role has become, you know, it's a big role now in mm. in in a company especially if they're given the you know parts or all, all of the digital transformation agenda they've got to know a lot more about technology than they they did before mm. um they've got a you know balance between you know current current sales to you know sort of a future state um and then you know they're, they're wrestling to do i go to one agency or network to kind of fulfill everything or how much specialty do i do i bring in um, and get that balance right, but they have to be the orchestra. And they're, they're, I mean, if you're on the client or side, the,
0: or the what's it called, the circus, uh, the ringmaster. They definitely right have to
1: be the ringmaster because, mm. um, you know, agencies, we're just, we're just, we grow up inside of us just feeling as though we're going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sometimes some agencies don't actually ask the, what the problem actually is. They just think they know what the problem is, and they think that they can kind of quickly solve it. But when you're on the client side you know you know internally there is so much more that needs to actually take place mm. um, and so you really do need a, that agency relationship that can kind of be very trustworthy with yourself but you've got to uh, be the ringmaster as you rightly so but their organization the agency has to come back into that organization and play with a lot of new people that are sometimes out outside of their own um, silos of responsibility and if you don't have a client and that trust breaks down quick pretty pretty early if the client sort of say oh look you don't need to go and see you know that part of the business yet and i will manage this and all that you sort of know that that's going to take a little bit of time so Mm. you you know i think the better agency relationships is when the agencies are able to provide services in a lot more of a broader context with a lot broader organization and of course if they're able to present to CEOs and boards that's even stronger, because they just hear it. They hear the problems more, and they go, oh, hang on a minute, I thought the problem was X, Y, and Z, but there's a couple of other challenges in there that we really need to know, yeah. um, because maybe your client didn't know them as, as well as they could.
0: <laughs> that's, uh, in, in some ways, what you're talking about is is the way that the relationship has moved from being this trusted advisor, mm. um, and, and the worst part is if that relationship slides down to being a Uh, a supplier a vendor a provider of services rather than actually being able to get under the skin of a problem because i I don't think agencies get filled with curious people that like to solve problems and uh, if you can't articulate clearly the problem they're going to solve whatever problem they come up with
1: that's right i mean that's i mean i've been lucky to work on the sort of client side and the agency side but I mean, creative agencies, when you've got creative teams and just curious people, it's just fantastic. Mm. But they can only solve the problem that is presented in front of them. So what? how good was that brief mm. and how good was that insight? Uh, because they do want to come at it from a creative point of view and stay true to that. Mm. Uh, if you can get, you, you know, if you can get, the, the creatives that have got that sort of even more inquisitive business side that really ask the questions about the business, you, you know, they're great teams the strategic. to work
0: with sort of uh, yeah. creative person. And
1: look, and they are coming about now. You know, I mm. must say that, I mean, because the creative industry, you know, part of our challenge in our industry is is the way we we express creative ideas because, you know, we like to be very purist in that sense, you know. Our awards, you know, world has got to a point where, you know, oh, you, uh, we can't award that because that was done in 1963, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and it's sort of like, well, as because. a digital guy, I don't really care. I just did it get any better. So sometimes we balance some of our own problems of creativity and what creativity means in the new world in business sense. Because so, so yeah, ultimately
0: you know, the value of creativity is not how many wards, but how well it fixes a commercial problem yeah. and, and the value it either generates or the loss it mitigates.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there's a you know, there's plenty of awards, so we can sk- give awards for effectiveness uh, and we'll over seven hundred. <laughs> there you go, globally. So and if
0: you want to enter an award, you could enter two a day for the whole year.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I just meant, I just meant, um, you know, we we're struggling on some of those big awards like Can and what what they actually mean now for for both the agency side and for clients, and that's a shame because because uh, because some of the I, I think some of the the awards that are given are are on small ideas, but they could be even bigger. Mm. Um, But they'll never get any bigger because the creatives have seen that idea and then said, oh, we can't do that any further. I've seen stuff over the years that could have been... Products. I've seen stuff that it could have been full blown services, mm. um, but the agencies and the creative teams went, well, oh, we've already done that, so we don't want to do it anymore. They get bored really easily, so they're looking for the next big thing.
0: Is it they bored, <laughs> or that they know if they do it, it's not going to win the award? Because it's, I'm wondering whether the problem is that the award process has actually overcome the creative process.
1: It's, it is the latter, I think. Um, they know that they are not going... I mean, crea- when you're a young creative, you, you your career is built
0: through... On winning awards.
1: Winning awards and, and showing how you think and so forth. So there's uh, there's no... Not many creative directors would probably employ a creative to say, I've seen this... At this idea two years ago, and I think I can make it better, <laughs> 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 which is a shame because I think those no, people that, are actually pretty good to have. I, I uh, have around.
0: I, I remember uh, way back when I was a copywriter, there was a couple of creative teams that were well known for going through old award books. Yeah. In the days when they were books. Yeah. And uh, looking for ideas there that they could apply to a new client in a new category. Oh, that still goes on. I mean, yeah.
1: good creative teams have got their ideas in their bottom shells and bring them out when they need to be and try to keep applying them to the same same side of things. So look, I mean, I think the creative process is changing. You know, like I think it's got a lot more collaborative. I think creative directors that have the team structure where, you know, the teams birth an idea and, and if they don't like it, they kill it at a later date. But that, you know, I think there are creative directors now that are a lot more wider and seeing 10 teams present 10 different ideas and and grab one idea and give it to another team and they go off and change it you know there's mm-hmm. I mean I've been very very blessed to work with some incredible creative d- directors you know yeah. Nick Worthington at Colenso BBDO and James McGrath at Melbourne and you know I mean very very lucky um, Ted Lim here at, at Dentsu you know they, they, they are uh, they're wonderful to work with. I'm a meddler compared... I'm not a... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be in the room with these people because I meddle with ideas. You know, yeah. that's what digital tends to do. You kind of want to meddle with it and then kind of work out how can I turn this into an experience is, 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 is what you're really wanting to play with. So,
0: so one of the things that is the cornerstone for creatives is this the big idea. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed is that in the digital world we live in, in actual fact big ideas are executed in a whole lot of succession of smaller ideas. Yeah. And that's such a fundamental difference for the creative people to get their head around, that you do need the big idea, but it may end up not being executed in the big cinema or TV execution or even the big long-form video for online. It will be executed in a thousand small ways that actually build to the big idea
1: yeah and i think that i think that's a positive uh to be honest i think um i think the creativity process if you looked at something like pixar and what they were able to do they were the first to really crack that we've got a big idea it's called toy story here's the story but the way they actually had to bring that to life was thousands and thousands of little very difficult problems and ideas to to make Woody do this and to, mm. to make this animation do that and for this part of the story to work. But their whole collaborative process was, is ingenious really mm. in that, that when they held, held those meetings, it was a huge big town hall of a lot of different people that needed to come in, understand the problem, animated people, you know, the way they had to render out graphics in those days were very, very difficult initially and have to work through a process. But nobody ever went to the meeting not understanding the problem and and understanding where the challenge was at that point in time because you weren't allowed even to be at that meeting unless you really understood something and you would only articulate if you actually had a solution to it and i think those learnings uh, of how pixar worked we could probably take more of that into our agency i think still sometimes agencies there's a lot of people that might go to meetings and they don't quite know the full story yet they feel as though they should they should actually
0: Talk. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> and we, we call them meeting uh, fillers, and uh, the reason they exist is because there's usually a retainer somewhere with a number of FTE counts. But that's just our cynical view of the world. It is. And it, and it can it
1: can cause a few problems, especially if you want to work fast and you want to work, you know go go that way. But I think overall, the big idea being lots of thousands of little ideas. That's that's sort of, and that's going to continue to happen more and more because. You know, we're making, you know, one second content, three second content, six second mm. content.
0: So, um, apart from uh, the fact, because we, we, unfortunately we're running out of time and I'm really enjoying this conversation, Adam, but um, you've worked agency and client side. You've also worked in many, many different markets. You've worked obviously in Australia and New Zealand, but also now in Singapore. Uh, you're in um, uh, San Francisco and you're also in Hong Kong with Tribal, was that right? That's it's right, hosting. yeah. So, so, yeah. Um, Of all the different markets, is there one that you really, really enjoy working in above the others?